Reptile Gumbo Podcast. I'm James Lewis from Simply Serpents. And I'm April Justine from Designer Exotics. Each week, we'll discuss what is happening in herpetoculture on social media, YouTube, and even on other podcasts. We will share our opinions and thoughts on current events, as well as the opinions of you, the listener. Make sure to check out our Facebook and Instagram for interactive polls and posts where you can tell us what you were thinking. Then listen for your name each week as we share your opinions on the podcast. So sit back and relax. Here's the Reptile Gumbo Podcast. Welcome to episode 23 of the Reptile Gumbo Podcast. Uh, April, I've talked to you a ton this week. I know. This is the most we've talked in a really long time. It's kind of weird. We recorded on Monday. <laughs> but we We're... had a recording Monday, another recording on Tuesday, and we... another recording on Friday. So it, yeah, I think we'll uh, have enough of each other for a while. <laughs> I, think, I think I'm done after this. I, yeah. Uh, I do have to say, we, we, April and I have talked. We are going to start recording on Mondays. That is the plan. And so our yep. podcast will hopefully get put out Monday nights if I'm, if I'm on the ball. Uh, that is... That is the hopes because April, I, I'm taking up too much of her weekends, and she's already having to drive back and forth from Arkansas and Tennessee. You make it sound like I'm a terrible human being. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I have wanna... just so much work Look, I have to do. April, when got, I go home. she's got to meet all those Tinder dates on Saturdays and Sundays, and I can't get in the way of that. That is a lie. I have to clean a bunch of snake cages, and I have to take care of my house. That's really what's going on. So taking two and a half hours in the middle of my day just splits it up all crazy so i appreciate you james for changing it to monday <laughs> yes which is fine because once monday night football starts i just i mean i've got a dvr so i i won't miss any of it so we're good if once we ever, that starts again we may have to change the day not gonna if, lie <laughs> if, we get, if we ever get football back ever again i know who knows if that's ever gonna happen honestly i'm, I'm honestly ready for any sport i caught myself watching korean baseball the other day I think, has golf been going? I feel like people have been watching yeah, golf. Yeah, but I didn't watch golf when it was regular going. Like I can play golf, but I can't watch golf. That's that's a great time for a nap. Yeah, literally sports fans that I know were so desperate for any sport that they would watch golf. Tony, I watched Korean baseball. Korean I mean, baseball hey, you, with no one in the stands. It was, an empty, it was an empty stadium really? in Korea and no one in the stands. And I mean, I couldn't pronounce a single name. And yeah, that's how bored I got. I, I just well, I need sports. At least it was something. It was something. Uh, <laughs> speaking of sports, we're episode twenty-three, so technically it's the Michael Jordan episode. Uh, unless you're younger, then it's the LeBron James. And don't get me wrong, I'm a LeBron James fan, but when I see twenty-three, I automatically think of Jordan. So I thought yeah, about give it to you. when I wrote down episode twenty-three in my notebook because I keep my notebook for every episode. I was like, oh, twenty-three, and I thought Michael, Michael Jordan. So now you get to hear the thoughts that go on in my head when I write shit down. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> so, Anyway, would you like to introduce our lovely guests tonight? <laughs> I mean, I guess we can get to that. All right. Uh, we have on Brandon Millichamp and Kiana Fox from the Canadian Herpeticulture Podcast. Welcome, guys. Hey. Thanks for having us on. We, uh, we kind of had uh, – so Brandon, you were on one of our live you, streams right, at one point, yeah. right? Yeah. One, that, was a, that was not the live stream where someone got bit by a snake. No, yeah, but Brandon was... did get bit by a snake on our live stream like the night before. Yeah, I, I've been bitten <laughs> on live stream multiple times, also by rear fang venomous snakes. So <laughs> well, that's right, because you got hog nose, the Madagascan hog noses. Yeah, good. We're in a special club then. 
Yes, you are very special. <laughs> Your club is full of special people. Uh, that might be true. <laughs> you got so you got mentioned on the the Herpeticulture podcast, the Herpeticulture podcast, however they want to pronounce it, with Justin yeah. and Jake this week, uh, April. Uh, oh, I, I did. I know you haven't listened to it. Well, they had our buddy Travis on, Travis Wyman, and they got to talking about uh, your silly, goofy snakes. And Travis talked about how you're like only the second person he's ever heard of getting bit by one. Yeah, it's true. I, I did a lot of research on uh, the bites of all different species and couldn't really find anything. So I guess that was like me putting it out into the universe that I wanted more information on it. And so now the universe gave that to me by firsthand experience so yeah, yeah left, left hand experience i kind of did the same thing because after i got bit i kind of messaged dr fry and see what information he had if there was any available so just for my own knowledge and preventative maintenance what so, did you find anything not not a lot it's the fact that they just have uh really small glands compared to a lot of other snakes and uh they just have really powerful jaw muscles over having uh, really well-developed muscles around the venom gland. So their bites are kind of more like um, indigo bites where they have lots of power to subdue their prey. Yeah. And they're actually not in the hognose family, so I also found that out. Yeah, they're not heterodon. They're leoheterodon, right? So yeah, yeah, they're not related to other hognoses at all, so they're kind of just called them hognoses because they're faces. Yeah, and when, and when you look at them and, and you see both species, you hold or keep both species, they don't they don't act the same. Well, I mean, I guess the feed response, they both eat pretty fast. Yeah, um, my giants are, well, they're all actually pretty shy animals, all, all the ones in my collection, so they generally don't eat in front of you. You have to drop feed them and leave the room, and then you go back and either they eat the food or they don't. Oh, really? See, the four giants I used to care for. I mean, they, they took straight from the tongs, and I kept I would move them off exhibit, put them in a rack to feed them, and I'd work my way down the rack, and as soon as I got to the fourth one, the first one was ready to eat another mouse. It was already down. Yeah, they'll really eat as much as you put in front of them. Yeah, I would tend to feed them, like, like two or three adult mice instead of, like, a medium rat. Um, yeah. They, they seem to like it, so. Yeah, I feed mine quite a variety of different foods, different chicks, quail, um, small rats and stuff too so i spread out my feedings too depending on what they are having so did you get any swelling and all from the bite uh from my blonde hognose bite i did my arm swelled up a little bit i got some pain in my fingers and my shoulder was a little sore for about 24 48 hours see my problem is i wouldn't worry about that bite now that you know yeah it happened my fear would be the next bite because like, both for you and april you don't you know you always hear with something like that, or like bee stings, yeah, you, nothing may have happened the first time, but the second time your body could react to it. Yeah, because yeah. the first time I didn't have anything happen, it bit my finger, but it was a pretty quick bite. And then when it full-on latched to my arm, it sat there for a couple of minutes before it let go. Uh, well, a couple months back, there was uh, Jim um, Stelfun. Sorry, Jim, for butchering your last name. I don't know how to say it. Um, but he's been working with uh, Western Hognoses for 30 years. And he took a bite right on the tip of the finger, what, two months ago, something like that? Little, take a little longer than that. <clears throat> and uh, he had to be hospitalized and everything. But they think that it had an adverse re uh, reaction with um, some of his heart medication. So you never know like how it's all going to hit your body. 
that can't be possible because on Facebook, I see that booping the snoot of danger noodles is perfectly fine. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I felt I felt dirty saying I felt dirty by the way saying that. I'm gonna have to take a bath later just you, for that. You can only boop the snoots of Nagini danger noodles. Nagini. Oh god, <laughs> so many snakes named Nagini. Oh, he had a bugs me about that all the time because I hate those terms. And when she just wants to piss me off, she's like, "You gotta boop the snoots," and I'm like, "Shut the fuck up." <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I worry about rear, rear fang stuff because we, the hobby for so long has treated rear fang stuff as if it's a corn snake. And, yeah, uh, I, it's pretty similar here as well. Yeah, and some of it can be medically significant. It's going to vary from case to case depending yeah, exactly. on how you're going to react to the proteins and some of the other stuff. Cause I was actually listening to Dr. Fry's recent episode with word of the snake vine. So I also learned a bunch of stuff from that. So. Yeah. That's well, like, cause Justin works with those Boega and I was, you know, he treats them. He doesn't really handle them that much. And I worry about that cause no one really know, really knows how that will affect you just like uh, you know there's not a lot with the Madagascan hog noses or with April's goofy little snakes that like five people own what what do you have April I have the beak snakes African beak snakes oh okay yeah yeah there's it where we live there's a couple people who used to have them but they don't have them anymore so I don't ever see them anywhere no I nope yeah I've and not even like, and I and I do several shows with like lots of people that, that sell imports and stuff, and you would expect to see that on importer tables. You know, I've seen like sunbeam snakes, some of the other random import stuff, but I don't really see beaked snakes anywhere. Um, it might be depending on where they're found in the time of year too. So, because some sure. of the snakes that I want from Madagascar, it depends on the time of the year and uh, all, a bunch of other factors. Well, too, Madagascar so. also depends on their the mood and the phases of the moon and how they're feeling because they'll open up the <laughs> gates and close the gates and like we can import yeah. we can't import yeah. yeah yeah exactly this year no imports six months later all right import exports. Yeah. <laughs> but you were like wait so you're telling me they all had babies in six months and now your population's amazing is that the uh, yeah i think it also might have to do with uh the economy so because it's probably one of their large incomes well i think there was also a change probably. in government at one point recently yeah uh that was what I was told is one of the reasons why they closed it is they had a big election, government change, and then they closed everything so they could figure some stuff out. And then the next year, they reopened stuff. So This is why I work with Australian species and everything's just half and Oh, so you, you know you can't get them imported, so it's, it's over. I, I have to import everything from Europe, so if I can't get it from Europe, I'm probably not getting it. So what, what all do you have? Uh, I'm just working with the Strophorus right now. I have a couple other like one-offs that are pets, but Strophorus is really all I'm, I'm personally working with. So I have the uh, Strophorus Tainicata, the Golden Tails, and then um, possibly tomorrow I might have some of the um, Strophorus Spinigerus, which is the Eastern Spiny Tailed, I believe. I don't know. I don't go by common names for those guys. <laughs> Yeah, see, all my, all my animals have common names. So when people start throwing out science, and, and I, I say this, having a degree in biology and having to use scientific names all the time for stuff when I was in school, I hate scientific names when it comes to snakes. So I'm like, I know the pretty common names. Well, see, <laughs> like, nobody knows what either a golden-tailed gecko is or a strophorous gecko is. So e either way, no one knows what I'm talking about. 
I bet April so, does. April likes his goofy little Australian geckos. I actually don't, but now I'm intrigued and oh. probably will end up wanting them. So they have a defense mechanism, and they can shoot goo out of their tails. And when you mix the goo with ammonia, it's a very, very flammable substance. I don't now know I really want them. I don't know what those scientists were doing that figured that out. But no was, kidding, like, right? The greatest research I've ever found. I, see, I don't know what they were doing either, but it's the they deserve a prize, a Nobel Prize oh, for that that's one. So funny. Brent, Brandon and I just joke about gecko tail Molotov cocktails all the time now. Yeah. So it's it's basically like a, an actual Charmander. You can just light its tail on fire. It'll burn at the tip. It'll it's be like, great. It's like sticky, gooey, webby, smelly substance. Are, are you sure that's are you sure that's coming out of the tail? I assure you, it's coming oh, okay. out of the tail. <laughs> <laughs> I will send you guys a link of it, the defensive behavior in the wild. It is crazy. Yeah, absolutely. That's, I'm that, super intrigued now. See that, I've never heard of that. That is definitely... I, I am curious, though, as to how someone... Because you know they weren't like, guys, there's a goo coming out of here. Mix it with everything we have and see if it comes on fire. That's not how that happened. I'm pretty sure that probably is how it happened, though. You think so? They're just like, <laughs> it's not lighting on fire by itself. Mix it with something else. I'm like, who's going to be like, let's put ammonia with this? <laughs> I just feel like there was, a, there was a shelf of cleaning supplies in front of them, and they got through all of it, and then they got to ammonia, and the shit went on fire. And then you can only imagine for the next week, these scientists are milking the tails of these damn geckos just so they can light shit on fire. <laughs> and someone walks in and goes, what are y'all doing? Science. <laughs> M- making gecko napalm. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so that's but, like, Mine are fantastic, and they've never even, like, defense postured me they don't even flee when you go in their enclosure they're just like oh hey human what's up your hand your fingers the size of me you're not intimidating at all so i know See, they're pretty cool i'd be pissed off at that point so i'm like look you damn goo lizards i need this goo i want to light shit on fire <laughs> <laughs> no, no they just look at me yeah, that's a little a little sad. <laughs> you don't get to see you don't get to see it. That's when like if you find a breeder, I was like, I need the one that gets that freaks out the most, your angriest one. That's the one I want. It's like the opposite of any way you order any other reptile. Like I just want the one that's always stressed and gooing. Because I really got a lot of stuff I like to light on fire. I think like wild caught ones would like absolutely be like that, but these are obviously multi-generational captive bred. So I think the timidness has probably been bred out of them a little bit. Not, not that they're, um, you know, tame or anything like that, but they're definitely not as fearful as, like, my Tokay. My Tokay won't even let oh, me hell. look at her. I look at her, and she's, like, gone faster than lightning out of sight. But see, that's, see, that is normal when I think of Tokay. I'm always freaked out when I see someone carrying around a Tokay that's perfectly calm. I'm like, no, that's not right. That thing should, should be wanting to eat you. I, she let me hold her in my hand, like, open-handed once. <laughs> and it was nightmare-inducing. I've I seen pictures. <laughs> I was so scared. I felt like the Toke Whisperer, and, like, if, if I had a, uh, uh, can, can I curse? You can't, you can't, you can't fucking curse on this podcast. Okay, um, well, if I had a dick, it would have been rock hard. <laughs> <laughs> well, it just it just doesn't seem right though when when they're calm like that's not 
that's not how they're supposed to be. They're supposed to be trying to kill you and yeah. open mouth and barking at you. Does yours ever bark? Not very often. Um, she, if she doesn't flee, she might like open her mouth at you, but she's never lunged or anything like that. She would absolutely just rather flee. Yeah, I can't, I can't do turkeys. I had a white lion gecko once, and white lion geckos are related to them, and they're they're yeah, not friendly does. either. Skunk geckos. See, I had a whole colony of them, and they were fantastic. Oh, uh, maybe mine was just lonely. <laughs> I had a male and three females, and they were absolutely wonderful. Um, you'd you know go to miss them, and they'd all come out and like be licking everything, and they were like really cool to watch. I had the one I had. I held it, I was sitting there. It bit onto my pants leg, and I sat there for the next twenty minutes waiting for it to release. That sounds like my Toke experience. <laughs> I uh, I bred them back in twenty fifteen, and I got bit by my male on a regular basis because. Um, Obviously, you let the eggs hatch in the parents' enclosure, but the parents will actually guard the babies. So fishing, you know, little <laughs> three-inch toke geckos from a really pissed-off uh, male toke is not fun, and it results in blood. <laughs> yeah, I'll pass on that. Yeah, I'll pass, too. <laughs> no, no, thanks. <laughs> none, none of that keeping experience sounds enjoyable. I mean, they're pretty cute, (laughs) but they grow up to want to eat your face. Uh, Well, if you handle them from like the egg, they chill out. Uh, See, I saw uh, I I interned at a zoo once, and they had monkey tail skinks, and those things give live birth, and they come out evil. Like I've seen the adults be not so nice, but the babies come out mean. That's amazing. Yeah, I got to handle a couple of those too. My buddy hashed them out. or, yeah, not hatched because of library. But, yeah, he had one, and the baby was just a nightmare. But the adults were super chill. Uh, so the, the adult, Their claws oh, are intense, though. Oh, it's they can hold on very well. Yeah. They're really they, neat-looking animals. Well, they're, like, all jaws. Like, like you don't want to get yeah. big because you can just see it's, it's just all power in that head for something that just eats leaves. <laughs> uh, so, all right. Let's uh, move to our question this week. Our question this week got a, well, it got pretty much the same response over and over again, but we got a lot of it, and it came from one of our listeners. Um, it came from Sean McCarthy. The question was, what are your thoughts on taking your animals out in public? And, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll, honestly, I can tell you one person's response, and it's pretty much everybody's. Um, I mean, it, it was kind of the same as mine. Don't. Unless it's like for educational purposes, and even then, I think if it's for educational purposes, uh, you got to be careful there because yeah. you know it takes one person getting bit, and not only is it bad for the hobby, but you don't realize how bad a parent will sue you if their kid gets bit by a snake. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be going out doing educational shows if I didn't have insurance and stuff like that. Like, yeah, like when I, because uh, I'm vice president of the Alberta Reptile Amphibian Society, and we put on shows and we do. Uh, have animal education we have liability insurance so you have to be a member in order to volunteer so memberships cover you under the insurance if something were to happen so i wouldn't do that any other way without having the liability insurance because you never know what some parents are going to do but we also have signs that say hey handle animals at your own risk well and like i do my group here we've done for the past two years we probably won't do it this year 
Uh, hopefully we'll pick it back up next year, but we had Reptile Day, which was a big event with tons of people there, um, groups showing off their animals. And we always had tanks set up with a bunch of different reptiles, and it was never really like a, hey, hold this. If it was ever like a snake out for someone to interact with, we held the head, they pet the body. Uh, there was never a, a case where someone could get bit. That's kind of like my number one rule. I'm like, just just don't put yourself in that situation. It's not worth the risk. Even people are like, my snake is always calm. It's always calm until it's, it's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I hate that term we do so the same much. thing at our shows. We make sure we have head control and it's pointed away from the public. And I'd rather give them the shitty end than the bitey end. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Except I'd rather get bit than get shit on. But that's just me. Yes. Yeah, me too. Unless <laughs> for Dana. Uh, what? Unless we're Dana. <laughs> um, one of the uh, breeders up here, she got bit by, what was it, a Borneo short tail? Yeah. Hey, tail. April knows those. I have some she, hatching as we speak. Oh, are they really? Two mm-hmm. fragments in her uh, inner j- finger joints. Yeah, her uh, pointer finger and the other And finger. her middle finger. And yeah. she had to get these like microscopic teeth fragments extracted. And it took like three days for him to do it. <laughs> Hey, April. Just, like, digging at her fingers with a scalpel. April, tell them about teeth in your hand. I, I permanently have a tooth stuck in my uh, knuckle of my thumb from a Sumatran short tail. Oh, so yeah. you know what it's like. <laughs> I know, yeah. <laughs> if you ever see me playing with my thumb knuckle, that's what I'm doing is playing that's, with the tooth. That, that's sounds, embedded. that sounds dirty when I play with my thumb knuckle. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not. I 100% tell you it's not. But, yeah, it's there. It looks yeah, like that, a little tiny, like, flea bite or something, the way it bumps up on my skin. Dana's fingers right now look like her short tail. <laughs> <laughs> she posted a picture with her fingers in it, and I was like, those three sausages look great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, and, and reading through a bunch of these answers on the question, like I said, it was a lot of the same thing. One, a lot of them talk about, you know, don't bring your, your animals to a reptile show. The one good thing is uh, the shows I do, they don't allow outside animals in. So if you show up with your snake, your bearded dragon, whatever, sorry, you're going to have to go home. You can't, you can't bring it in. It's um, the same here. And it's how it should be yeah. at every show. Yeah. Because I've always said, for whoever's listening or whatever, if you're thinking of bringing your bearded dragon or all python or whatever to a show, this is no offense. I don't mean this in a bad way, but we don't give a shit. As vendors, you're not going to bring anything in that we don't already have at the show that's cooler. Like I know Literally. that sounds, I know that sounds mean, but your, but your normal ball python is not cooler than the other seventeen tables selling ball pythons. Only seventeen. <laughs> well, our, my, <laughs> the guy that does my shows is pretty good about spreading out. We don't, we don't get a ton of the same thing over and over again. I think, I think you meant the seventeen tables that's not ball pythons. <laughs> Yeah, but, correction. <laughs> but like, you know, and it's not just that we don't care about you seeing your animals. Because look, I'm all for if someone has an animal they love. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good. Even if it's a ball python, I'll say, oh, that's cool. And I'll, under my breath, say, eh, it's a ball python. But then. It's brown. <laughs> but like, there's so many risks coming. First off, would you like to talk about? It could bite Mites. somebody. Mites is a big one, but it could bite somebody. You talk, you watch people walk around some of these shows sometimes with a snake around their neck and the head is sitting three feet out from them. Or two yeah. feet up, just walk. Like I say, walk out, and then that thing can reach out and grab a kid or anybody as it goes down an aisle, and then that's a and whole other issue. I have that kid that's always trying to touch the reptiles too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, like, if if your snake 
bites my kid in the face as she's walking past, and I'm not going to be very happy, and I understand how snakes are. So imagine someone else that, you know, is just taking their kid to the show that they saw on the news, right? That has no idea what the community's about and stuff like that. And that kid also went by the table that sells hedgehogs, hamsters, and guinea pigs, and they let them hold one. Yeah. And now it sounds like food, and your seven-foot retic that is a puppy dog (sighs) thinks it's food. It's not the retic's fault. thing smells like food, and it's next to it. It's going to bite it. So... That's another thing, but your, your mites is a huge one. Viruses, these things that maybe your animal's not going to pass. Maybe your animal's clean. Okay, we're not saying your animal's dirty, but it could catch stuff. That's not worth the risk for you. Absolutely. And that's like why you don't want to take your pets to a pet store as well, right? Like, yeah. I would never take one of my snakes into like a pet land or pet smart and any kind of pet store because. I don't know where they're getting their animals from. I don't know what their quarantine procedures are. Like, I, I don't even buy animals from pet stores. So why am I going to take mine to one? I, uh, early on when we started our group, we did do a few, like they had reptile days at Petco, and then we'd come set up a table, not right next to the reptiles, but we'd set up one and bring some animals. But in recent time, I'm, I'm like, yeah, it's not worth the risk. Like, the... the the positive of someone there with reptiles talking to people who are there to buy reptiles and give them the good information. It's not worth the risk of something happening to my animals. So I think in the future, if I were, if they were to ask me to do that, I'd rather set up a table and go, look, yeah, I'll come, I'll bring like flyers or whatever. And maybe I'll hold like some of your animals here or there throughout the day, but I won't bring any of my animals. Yeah. You can easily educate people using their own. Yeah. Um, and so that's one, and, and you always see the the guys that walk around with the big boas and retics and berms, and they're obviously just wanting attention. They, yeah. Those the guys that show, they show up to PetSmart with it, and then they just want to. And don't get me wrong, I I have done it, and it's been years and years and years since I've gone to a pet store with a snake. But at the same time, I haven't done it with the intention of let's see how many people like a freak out because you always see people like ah oh, I love freaking people out. I hate that. I in no way want to scare anyone with any reptile. I refuse to ever use them for jokes, gags, to scare anybody. Because that defeats the purpose of what I'm trying to do. Absolutely. My partner is absolutely terrified of my all my boas. Terrified. Really? I have, I have him to the point where he's willing to pet my doomerole boa's tail. But... He has ball pythons of his own because he's completely comfortable with that snake and that species, and he has no issue handling them. Like, he does everything 100% with his ball pythons. But any of my animals, he's like, ah. It's because petting a rock is super easy. It's a pet rock, yeah. It's not a, <laughs> oh, my God, this rock is going to get me. He, he did get a juvenile Maclots python. Nice. So now I have. So now I have a Maclots podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and so she's funny. awful. I can well, imagine. No, she's actually not that bad. She's come a long way in the last couple months, even since you've seen her last. Yeah, she wasn't even that bad when I got her in She's just, she's very strike happy. And if you're like sitting in front of her enclosure, like doing something on the computer or whatever, she's striking at you the whole time. But in the last couple months, she's stopped and she'll actually just hang out in her hide and stare at you instead of trying to eat you. Well, it's also like, so that kind of goes to what I'm not a huge fan of people saying ball pythons are the best starter snake. I am against that statement. 
it, yep. to me, if someone, if that's their first experience with a snake is owning a ball python, every snake after that is going to seem too fast, striky, jumpy, just because they move different. You know, a ball mm-hmm. python will just sit there. But if you hold a corn snake, corn snakes aren't sitting still. Yeah. And that could really freak people out. Oh, why is it moving? Is it trying to bite me? Is it hungry? I'm like, no, that's just that's what they do. They're not a lump. You owned a lump. This is not a lump. Yep. And so I can see where if you start out and the only thing you know is ball pythons, everything else kind of seems a little scarier. Yep. I will suggest almost anything else before a ball python or a bearded dragon. Yeah. Bearded dragons are so hard because you have to do so much with their lighting and their food. Well, they're, they're, they're so much more pets. difficult. They, they need food they really every are. day. And like, that is an expensive animal to upkeep. And I'm sorry, but your 12-year-old isn't going to do it. And you're not going to put in the research to do it either because you're that's, getting it for your 12-year-old. That's why my yep. first recommendation, when someone says, I want a lizard, I always say leopard gecko. Yep, my my ten year old got a leopard gecko for her birthday. She does all the care. I just buy the food. Yeah, I mean you don't have to worry about lighting's not going to be an issue. Uh, temperature really not that much of an issue. A small bulb on top of it, they're fine. Feeding, yeah, you got to feed some insects. She'll be okay. But they and you know as much as people like like my daughter just got a crested gecko, but I I made sure after well they surprised me that she got one, but. Uh, I asked her, I was like, you know, at some point, its tail could just fall off. It could just, and she goes, I know. I was like, all right. Well, with a leopard gecko, it's less likely to fall off. And it'll regrow. Yeah, and it will regrow. A cool new color. It won't yeah. look the same. So, it'll look weird. <laughs> yeah, they always have a weird texture to them. And so smooth and bulbous. <laughs> yeah, smooth and bulbous. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, was, I always find it so weird how we settled on these great beginner animals when there's the list is actually really huge when you, depending on the person. Because uh, to me, if someone goes, well, I really like a bearded dragon and the care is not an issue, I'd go, well, your mastics is easier. I, I would absolutely yep. agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and it comes in, to me, better colors. You can find way brighter colors in a Euromastics. And, 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 yeah. and I think Euros would make a better pet over a bearded dragon, mm-hmm. in 100%. my personal opinion. There's never any insects. You don't have to worry about any insects. Have just, some bird seed. Have some yeah. greens. <laughs> Enjoy these dry lentils. And then watch them crack these dry lentils. Yeah. But and. it's that whole, you know, we, we kind of got into this when the hobby kind of started to try outreach. We said, all right, for snakes, ball pythons, bearded dragons, and then we'll get everybody. Everybody, that's what they're going to sell them. And that's what everybody started selling. And that's why now rescues have 50 bearded dragons and 50 ball pythons. Because I, I think it was kind of a sales thing where people are like, oh, what's a really good first snake? And the people who are trying to move a lot of animals, bearded dragons and ball pythons, it seems to be, were like, hey, ball pythons are great. Bearded dragons are great. Everybody buy them. So yeah. I, I think they're just trying to make sales and it kind of just became a staple where people think that these animals are great first beginners, but in reality they're not the best if you do put your time and research into them they can be great but if you're not going to put the time research and the money forward it's not going to be as rewarding animals they anticipate well and how many people are getting a 60 dollar ball python off craigslist or kijiji to put in this free fish tank that they got Yep. yep, and then when it stops eating in the winter, why is my snake not eating when almost every ball python goes off feed? Yeah, but they don't go off feed. <laughs> if you have them housed properly. 
<laughs> like all our pythons ate all winter. Mine definitely stopped, so I just stopped feeding her for about four months and then go back at it. But also, every animal is different too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So not not every single animal in my collection eats the exact same way. So. Yeah, that's the other problem, and we talked about it on our last podcast. Is so many people try to use these cookie cutter uh, care guides. And I talked about on the last podcast this guy getting torn apart for wanting to feed his adult ball python male once a month, a medium rat. And everybody's like, no, it needs to eat every seven to ten days. And I'm like, no, that's fantastic. That's a great thing exactly. to do. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, it's just. Stop, sheeple, stop. Yeah, I'm like, there's a reason your male ball python is almost six foot and as big around as a two liter Coke bottle. That's not right. Yeah. That's like, stop that. It's, or it actually, technically, before it got there, it died. My ball python only lived eight years. That's because you're a horrible person. Well, yeah, they should be, like, living to, like, 30. And breeders stuff in their snakes so they get up to weight. I, I personally don't agree with that. I'd rather wait a couple extra years for yeah, I'd rather stuffing take, them. I'd rather take three or four years to grow out a female than have it ready by a second season. That sounds like terrifying and like horrible and i can only imagine like what the fatty deposits are like on its organs internally you know and snakes can't exactly lose weight as easily as other animals just need to invent the snake treadmill Uh, (laughs) that's called the bathtub (laughs) terrell gave me his corn snake who was overweight (laughs) that was like his first snake so he you know overfed it and whatnot and uh once i got it it took almost a year and a half, honestly, to get him into a healthy weight range because he was just so... I mean, he he honestly wasn't as large as ones that I've seen before, but he was more chubby than he should have been. Brandon's been watching me rehab a corn snake for, I don't know, six months, a year, something like that. And I finally got... Well, I guess it's a female. Um, I finally... Either way. I got it into uh, a body condition that I was at least comfortable giving it to an experienced home that uh, understood that it had to have, like, a specific feeding regimen, couldn't go up in size for... You know, it doesn't need anything bigger than a hopper right now for a long time. And just, you know, the snake needs work and regular activity. But it it took a long time for me to even think that that snake was even going to live. And, and I also think people forget the fact that we stick these animals in these smaller boxes so they're not getting nearly as much exercise as they would in the wild. They're not traveling they're half a kilometer to two kilometers a day. Yeah. It's, it's, I don't know. It's, it's so, and and we we hate on some people that overfeed. And all honesty, a, a lot, a lot of people that are overfeeding are doing out of love. Okay, it's not. They just need to be educated that, yeah, you love it a little less. <laughs> it's it's not necessarily intentional. It's the uneducation because a lot of this information is now coming out with uh, a lot of people who are online doing uh, dissections of some fatty snakes. I follow a page Anatomica and uh, anatomic science and she does a lot of dissections on different snakes and what she thought was a great shaped uh i think it was a kenyan samboa turned out it had lots of fatty pockets really but it d- ended up dying of uh, liver disease so yeah the only time a, a, a samboas do have a tendency to look pudgy their entire life but the only time they should really look fat is pregnant the rest yeah. of the year yeah. i mean they should i mean and, and you can really see it in males males tend to not they they tend to say well if you keep them right stay pretty skinny 
But uh, yeah, it's it's easy to for someone to overfeed because you watch people on Facebook always post, "My snake's moving around. Is it hungry?" Well, no, that's yeah. not how that works. It's just moving. Or or the new YouTubers who are like, "Oh, my animal's at whatever weight, so I can breed it now." Oh, that's I get people ask. I have people ask, "What weight do you uh, breed your sambos?" I was like, "I don't know." It's like when. When it's old when enough, and, the right size. I say when it when it looks like it can have babies. I was like, if it still looks small, I was like, I don't, I honestly can't tell you what a single one of my females weigh. I just know that they're the size to have babies. Yeah, like with my hog noses, I waited like five years before I even paired stuff up. So, yeah, I, April, do you weigh your? You don't weigh your females, right? We've talked about this before. Um, I will just out of curiosity, but I go by body condition for pairing them up and how old they are. I wait till they're four years old. Age. I think age is probably a huge issue on, it's way bigger issue. I think on snakes than size, honestly. Yeah. Like, like with my geckos, if they're adults, they're breedable. So like anything over a year, I'm, I, I don't have an issue with. But yeah. it's also the it's size also of my varies favorite. from species to species. It, yeah, ex- exactly. Like you know, um, I've never heard of anyone weighing a corn snake to see if it's breeder size. It's always age you know? and length. They always it, go, you know, three years, three feet, or whatever. Yes, it's only what they go like, by. The only thing that I know of that people go by weight for is like crested geckos and ball pythons. Yeah, yeah, and those numbers, like we talk about get stuck in certain people's heads when they first get into the hobby and, and they don't have the experience to really understand anything outside of those numbers they always hear, especially on YouTube videos and stuff like that. And so that becomes the goal. I got to get it to this many grams. And then they just, they assume whether they know not to or not, they assume just keep feeding it until it gets to that weight. Yeah. And they don't realize what's happening internally where a lot of those fatty deposits starts uh, putting pressure on different organs. And then that in return puts a lot of strain on those organs. Yeah. So this is a long, uh, a long ways from where we started with the original question. Of, Should you take your animal <laughs> in public? But, uh, yeah, I was like, I was like, the general consensus for everybody was no. Uh, now, do you ever take yours outside, like your yard or anything like that? Um, I, I I might take my like big boas out because they're easy to keep track of. But I wouldn't put me personally. I wouldn't take anything out that's going to flee. Basically, yeah. if uh, I have to, if I have to run after it, it ain't going outside. If if I take my animals outside, which I plan to do, I want to build a really well built enclosure so they can get the sun something that they can't escape and I just want to make sure that they're secure. Well, like locally where Brandon lives here in Calgary, um, what last week or the week before there was a tortoise, a tortoise that, that escaped, escaped and yeah, a and black and white tegu that escaped in, yeah. in the city of over a million people. Yeah. See, and see Wonderful. the problem, the problem with that, is people are going to see that up there and freak out, but they're not going to realize that, look, yes, that's horrible. But if this were to happen and not get caught, uh, give it three months and they'll be dead. Yeah. Oh, uh, absolutely. Especially up there. They're, they're, everything up there is going to freeze to death. I mean, y'all have yeah. what? Garter snakes, right? That's like the only thing y'all have up there. Hey, rattlers. Um, we have uh, different species of racers too. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, a tegu, not going to make it. 
a ball python, not going to make not it. Gonna no. Boas, <laughs> not going to make it either. So. Yeah, we have North American colubrid species that hibernate, or brumate, I guess. Yeah. Not hibernate. So, oh, like, and, and that, how bad are laws? Of, y'all's laws are different. Like, they're not, like, Canada-wide. They are broke down to even some of, like, your cities and stuff, right? Uh, provinces. Uh, well, some some provinces have um, individual like bylaws for their towns, but Town like cities. where Brandon and I live in Alberta, it's pretty much just provincial. Except for this case that recently came up, uh, it was brought to the Alberta Reptile Amphibian Society, where a town is deciding that anything that's over a four foot snake is now Jesus. banned. And corn snakes, so you can yeah, lose. You, you couldn't even have a corn snake because some corn snakes. Get four feet. Which town is that? Oh, that's Calmar. Yeah, Calmar. And uh, so it's in its first. It was just past its first reading last month. So uh, I guess since people found out about it, they're giving us time to talk to them and a bunch of other stuff. And like they're putting in their poisonous. Their definition of reptile is something that lays eggs. I'm safe. I'm good. Yeah. So (laughs) it's it's very bad, poorly worded. So. we're going to try to help those people because there's a lot of people that moved there because there was no bylaws against reptiles. So there's a lot of snake keepers and a bunch of other lizard keepers. And they're really worried that all of a sudden they're going to get $2,000 fines per animal when a dog bite is 350 bucks. So do they give any reason for that? Or do they just go, look, this is what we wrote. We're hoping to turn it into a law and yeah, then exactly. step back. That's ex- well, uh, the original intent was, uh, from what I read in the bylaws was it's um, an animal kind of welfare type bylaw deal. So they're making sure like dogs don't get out, cats can't escape and a bunch of other stuff. And then they lumped reptiles into it real shittily. So without knowing anything about them, I'm assuming, okay. I don't, I don't know. Cats. Do people up there have outside cats? Yes. Yeah, and it is illegal in most towns to have outdoor cats. Well, not necessarily outdoor, but they have to be um, contained like, properly. Yeah, contained properly. So, like on on a leash in your yard, uh, catio, whatever. But they can't be uh, free roaming the neighborhood. Otherwise, you're going to get an animal at large fine. Yeah, I'm going to have to see a cat on a leash. That, actually, yeah, I've seen it a ton up here. I've seen people walk cats on yeah. leashes. Yeah. really. Yeah. April, do you think your cats could put a you could put a leash on them right now? Although your cats are weird, your ball sacks may be able to do it. I can put a leash on them, but they don't really let me walk them. Do you have hairless cats? I do. I have two of them. I I sent James an album of ball sack cats the other day. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. My best friend has uh, she has two sphinx and she has a stroller for them. Oh my goodness! So so she that's how she takes them up because they are indoor cats. But yes. um, she takes them out in their harnesses clipped to the stroller, and they just like meow, meow, meow as they walk down the street. Jesus Christ! Yeah, I'll put That's a camp. leash on mine because if I have my if I'm on my patio with the door open and they can see me from the house, they'll like hysterically yell at me, is what I call it. So if I put them on a leash and have them outside with me, then they're okay. Yeah, my, my, and they'll let me do that. Mine are indoor cats because cat jail is expensive. <laughs> So they can just stay inside. See, so at least up there, because like down here, cats are fucking everywhere. I mean, any, and that's what kills me with all these laws that get passed. When they say it's 
uh, for animal welfare or for native wildlife or this or that, but they attack exotic reptiles. Yeah. Well, see, here, uh, they kill endangered bird species. So, oh, I mean, sure, they do that here thing. too. They, yeah, they do it everywhere here too. We just yeah. people don't give a shit because cats are cute. Apparently, I mean, not yeah. to me, but to certain people, they're cute. Yeah, they're furry and they look cute, so I don't give a shit about the birds. Yeah, when they because you always get that when they when they bring a dead animal to the porch, they go, "Well, that's his job. That's not his fucking job. That's just what he's doing." Or, yeah. or the excuse, "Well, my cat roams free, so he can contain the mouse to eat contain mice." But in all reality, cats are shitty at catching mice. <laughs> they're just murderers. They, I'm telling you, they are they are psychotic murderers. Well, they're, they're nest raiders. That's what they do. Like I've seen people set up uh, outdoor cameras on bird nests, and you see cats fucking just going in there, killing all the babies, and just leaving. Uh, my my cat just decimated my uh, quail egg hatch. Hmm. <laughs> and that was indoors. Damn. That sucks. <laughs> yeah. So uh, she busted. Did. She cracked every single egg on the day that they were due to hatch. About half of them hatched out, and a bunch of them died within hours. And I think it was just from impact trauma. Hmm. They, they were strong enough to make it out, but obviously had some kind of internal damage and stuff. So I want to turn her into Kitty Chow Ming, but I can't. Gosh, I would have. child's. Yeah, I scream at my cats a lot because <laughs> they do <laughs> stupid things and make me angry. Thirty in the morning when I heard the incubator. Oh go. damn! She yeeted the incubator, and I. Gosh. Oh, Five thirty in the morning is not a time where I am a functional human being. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm like crawling under my dining room table, definitely not wearing any clothes, trying to like salvage my like feeder hatch. Oh man. <laughs> That's a sight now, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now you guys got that image in your head. Wonderful. <laughs> I'm pasty white if that helps. <laughs> we so, have no trouble seeing you. So one, <laughs> one, last, one last thing I want to hit on on this question is uh, the kind of people we talked about taking your snakes out in your yard. There are the folks that want to take their snakes out. If you do it, do it in your backyard. Yeah. And look, yeah. I'm not. I'm not saying that we should. Our hobby should hide in the shadows. I'm saying that it is better for our hobby to not maybe be out center stage. Yeah, do, do it in a controlled manner. So, like an expo, if or an educational event, or in your own backyard, do it in a controlled manner. Yeah, like we used to bring our animals out into the backyard, and all the neighborhood kids were like, "Oh my god." And they came over to our house and they learned about the animals. And then they got their parents interested and like, Mom, Mom, you got to come over to the neighbor's house and see their big snakes and stuff like that. So, you know, word slowly gets out that you're the reptile people and curiosity will come to you. And you don't have to scare the crap out of people. Well, and that's in, and that's the part where I'm, I don't, I tend to not like having people know what all I have where I live. Just because I don't want one, I'm always afraid people will steal stuff and whatever. But I don't think my neighbors will hear. But you know, who can find out? And they could. But I don't want them calling cops on me or anything. Even though I don't have anything illegal, I don't want that to happen. But what I, still I do don't want to deal with cops because of my reptiles. Yeah, trust me, I've been there. It sucks. Uh, <laughs> but I have the big tortoises in the backyard. So everybody in my neighbor, all my new neighbors at my new house, see those, and I can kind of break them in easily. 
with the tortoises because everybody loves big tortoises. Yeah, yeah, they eat grass. It's yeah. it's a shelled cow. Yeah, and then you can slowly work them into the rest of the stuff if if they're that interested. Yeah, and um, generally snakes freak people out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't want to be known as a house that has all the snakes and then. You know, someone makes some story up or something, and then yeah, when cats go missing in the neighborhood, you're feeding them to your you know that's, right. That's... You know exactly. So I won't even take them out in the backyard just in case someone sees them. I just keep them in the house. I'm just usually called the weird snake guy at work. Well, I think all of us at work, whatever wherever you work, get that. Yep. So I mean, I'm used to that though at work. Those people find out pretty soon, pretty quick what I have. But yeah, my my neighbors, my neighbors. I try to make it a little. They last a little longer before they find out how weird my house is. <laughs> my coworkers have learned not to bring up reptiles unless they want to get schooled. <laughs> <laughs> so why do you like snakes? You're gonna learn later. <laughs> <laughs> that's like uh, that's like the meme that uh, Travis Wyman gave us this week that we put on Facebook that talked about uh oh. Telling people about snakes having two penis, like just normal conversation, and you go, "Snakes have yeah. two penises." Like, <laughs> I'm full of reptile facts. Don't ask me reptile facts because I will unload them on you like mouth vomit, verbal vomit all I have over. Pictures you. of snakes having sex. Do you want to see it? Uh, I've done that to someone before. <laughs> have you guys seen our, our merch? Uh-uh. I, wait, I. The no. backs of our shirts says "Grab Life by the Hemi Peens." Yes, I, I that. <laughs> that's amazing. So, so we always have to like explain to non-reptile people what Hemi Peens are, and it's like, so snakes have two dicks, dueling and penises. Hemi Peens. Yes, dueling penises. I love that so much more. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, did, I, I told the guy at work the other day about snakes having two dicks, and he was like, "Why?" He's like, I wish I had two dicks. <laughs> like, well, sometimes one gets ripped off. Yeah. And it's always better to have a backup. Now do you want two of them? No. Uh, all right. So that, two penises. That's how we end our, our question about should you take your animals outside? So um, and then let me look at the stuff that we got this week from our, our listeners. Uh, Ryan Holland, he talked about, and I, and I actually had the, I went and found this and, whatever but it's a pass the reptile challenge on instagram which in theory is great until some of the people that are in the in the reptile in the video um we're doing what they were doing so basically you start off anybody that hasn't seen it first person's holding whatever reptile and then they pass it off camera and then it flips over to another reptile youtuber person pulling like they're pulling a different reptile and, and it keeps going keeps going the problem i had where there were two people in that one that were free handling venomous and so, you know, they hand it to them, they flip to them, and they're holding a cobra in their hand. Or they're holding a rattlesnake in your hand. I'm like, stop freehandling shit. But that was, yeah. Ryan Holland pointed that out, and I went and found it, and I got angry for a little bit. But, I mean, I don't know why I got angry. It's, it's the same dumbass that's always on YouTube doing that. But I think um, if you're going to freehandle, it should be viewed the same as if you're going to keep illegal species shut up and do it in the privacy of your own home and don't put it on the internet. Yeah, anybody also, showing... don't keep illegal species. <laughs> anybody <laughs> anybody showing free-handling videos, they can say they're doing it for education to show how great these animals and calm these animals are, but that's not it. I don't give a shit what you say. Deep down, it's so that you can feel like your dick is bigger than the other guys. So it feels like you have two dicks. Or two. You have two hemi beans down there. <laughs> 
rock hard hemi paints. <laughs> you got dueling hemi paints, and that's why you're free handling stuff. I love that I'm not the one bringing up penises this time. I know. We, Sorry, it's uh, always me. It's always me. <laughs> this is three podcasts in a row that we've been on that we've talked about penises. But anyways, so yeah, the, the free handling stuff, when I saw in that video, it, it's it still bothers me. And it really bothers me when you go to their, that person's YouTube channel and see how many followers they actually have watching them free handle stuff. Is this and, a person that starts with the letter, the third letter of the alphabet? Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, and I just, I get it. You feel comfortable doing it. And I don't care how much, and I, I forget what podcast shows I'll do, but I don't care how much you warn people not to do it. It doesn't mean shit to a 15-year-old who saw you do it and knows that they can go to a reptile show and some of these reptile shows and be able to buy one without being asked how old they are. I mean, some of them are very reputable reptile shows that sell venomous, but there are many out there where someone's just like, I just got to sell this cobra. Sure, you got money? Take this cobra. You know, and then they get it and go, he did it on TV, on the YouTube. I can hold this cobra now. And now we're fucked, all of us, all the way down to my Kenyan sand boas. Yeah. See, we're not allowed um, venomous in most of Canada, basically like the Western provinces. All, all of Western Canada, um, a good portion of the Maritimes, um, Ontario and Quebec. Uh, Quebec's kind of municipal. Ontario. Uh, you can have venomous, but it's also municipal, so a lot of uh, municipal towns and cities aren't allowed. And then Manitoba, you can have whatever you want, as long as you're not in Winnipeg. Yeah. So, like, venomous aren't really... I don't, like, when I think of venomous, um, you know, I've grown up around, like, native rattlesnakes, so I have a pretty healthy respect for them and definitely don't want to be going and picking them up. It just doesn't seem logical to me. Like, I understand, like, herpetologists and stuff like that doing it because that's their job. But I'm stupid, and I'm going to get bit. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just All of that stuff is just because I, I'm worried about, and, and y'all have the same issue there you talked about earlier. I'm worried about laws. That's the one thing I'm worried about the most. I mean, I don't give a shit if the free handler gets bit and dies. I honestly don't care about that. I care about me. I'm 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 more important. I care about me, and I want my stuff to be legal. Yes. Yeah. And it, that's yeah. what's going to happen is that my stuff, which is perfectly legal and not dangerous, will become illegal because a moron did it on YouTube. Yeah. All it yeah. takes is one person to ruin it for everybody. So, anywho, thanks Ryan Holland for showing me that. I got angry at Instagram for five minutes. <laughs> Uh, next was Dominique DeFalco showed me an article from BBC, uh, talking about a ball python that got loose in a French city that was terrifying the residents of this apartment complex. Uh, that they a put a python was terrifying. Somebody? Oh, it was terrifying. They said signs quickly appeared throughout the building, warning residents not to leave your children alone in the green space outside, uh, because of the ball python, you know, because of a rock. Were, were they lost or confused when they made that announcement? <laughs> yeah, I don't... They were just blindly terrified. Ugh. It's crazy. Um, we interviewed uh, Sherry Bakari, he's a herpetologist, and um, he was in Pakistan teaching the locals about snakes and... Um, you know, trying to educate them so that they were less fearful and 
so they knew how to like properly remove snakes and stuff Instead like of that. Just killing them. Yeah, exactly. And I think that that needs to be something active in all parts of the world is, you know, at least some kind of program to educate locals on the native species that they have, what's dangerous, what's not, and like what to do. Yeah, but see, that would also take time to have to tell people how important nature is. And we were at a point trying to do that forever. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's, it's very hard. It's hard to get humans past the mentality of I'm the most important thing on earth. And if it doesn't fit in what I feel it should be, it needs to go away. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how snakes get viewed. Like when I go back to the cats, people talk, I always tell, yeah, but cats kill native wildlife. Like, uh, mice and snakes and lizards. Well, that's their job. That's what they're supposed to do. I was like, no, that that's a horrible mentality to think that they should just be killing stuff because you don't want it there. And and then when you tell people that they're invasive, they're like, well, it's cats. Yeah. Well, and also so on this article, I scrolled down to the bottom of the article, and there's a video down here. I haven't clicked on the video, but I don't think the video goes to this article because it's a video that starts off with a big picture of a retic's head. And it says, I found a missing nine-foot python in my tree, which is obviously not linked to this article at all. But it is on their website at the bottom of the article as another clickbaity thing to click onto that just helps drive this fear of this loose snake. Yeah, that's, uh, that's why I don't like a lot of YouTube and all that kind of stuff because it's all clickbait well, crap. As what Dominique says, she thinks it would be really interesting in a discussion on how animals are sensationalized in the media. and that happens. That's, that, that is a big thing. I kind of ties into one of the videos I wanted to talk about this week. So I'll kind of bring it up now, which is the Brian Cusco video on is keeping snakes cruel. Um, he got like a article that he read. Someone sent him uh, and obviously it's written by a, an animal rights group who really is the ones that drive all of this fear mongering on of reptiles. PETA is the, I don't, I mean, y'all, y'all have PETA up there, right? Yep. Yeah. yeah it's, it's the worst thing to happen to animals ever, oh, yeah. ever. Um, and they drive this whole fear. You know, this article going out is driven by this whole idea that fear is, is well, it's a, it's BBC. They want to sell uh, whatever they need to sell, you know, papers or TV or whatever. But Brian Cusco is reading this article, and it's put on by like an animal rights group talking about how cruel it is uh, to have these animals in cages and that you cannot meet – I forget the wording. April, do you remember the wording? You could not meet their psychological – well-being like or emotional s- needs or something emotional needs and i'm like quit acting like snakes are people for one like s- stop that and, and tell me what emotional needs i cannot make who's snakes going around crying at night because it had food and water and heat without having to go find it yeah yeah i, I never once have been asked for hugs from my snakes <laughs> you don't boop my <laughs> snoot enough they they really like hugging the the mice with their teeth though. They really like that effect. They love them to death. <laughs> <laughs> but so and so Brian reads it and, and it's and they really focus it on ball pythons, which I think is hilarious. Um, but you know the problem is when a non snake person uh, sees any picture of a rack a rack system, they automatically go, "That's cruel." And I'm like. It's not cruel when you fully understand what's in the rack. Like, I'm not putting a retic in a V70 rack. That's not what's happening. No. You know, it's I've got sand boas that live underground their entire lives in racks that makes them feel like they're underground. That that's exactly what they want. Yeah. And 
And for some species, it makes sense. And for some other species, it doesn't make sense. So obviously, that's why we have enclosures and racks. So you can pick the suitable enclosure for your animal. Exactly. Uh, and so just just listen to this thing. I mean, it, it's it's an article written by someone who has no clue whatsoever about the animal. And they automatically feel like they know the best thing for this animal. But yet have no idea how this thing lives, what it and actually requires. They've probably, probably never seen one in their fucking life. Yeah. Like, April, I'm sure if someone saw your big bloods in a tub, they'd freak the fuck out. Probably. But that's Some the best. Some people do. Even people from Europe comment on my YouTube page all the time about it. Yeah, but they have to live in Europe. Forget them. <laughs> just because they have different laws and stuff for how to uh, keep your animals and stuff in caging requirements and whatnot. They have, they have seriously strict laws on that stuff. They do. Mm-hmm. do. And, and those laws are not put out by snake people. It's obvious no. not put out by us. Because they have the one foot per animal rule or whatever, I think, for the cage. Where, like, every foot of the animal should be the foot of cage. I'm like, that seems ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in Ontario, they're going to be going through a big uh, law change for exotics. All exotics, fish, snakes, lizards, bunny rabbits and everything. And uh, they've been – some vets and stuff have been approached about – what they're going to do for caging requirements. and Great. Vets who take care of dogs and cats are going to be asked about reptiles. Actually, there's some vets that have been approached are actually exotic specialized vets. Good. Good. So that's a, a bonus that they've been actually asking people know what the fuck they're talking about versus somebody who's seen one snake because they just said yes and they don't know fucking anything about it. They, uh, this guy, I saw a post on one of the pages this week that talked a guy posted and he had someone respond uh he put pictures of his retics and probably i don't know what size cages they were maybe six footers uh four footers but they're pretty roomy for the retic yeah it couldn't stretch all the way out but i mean it was still it was very roomy compared to what you see like full-size retics normally in and someone like bashed them and then he put that post up thinking everybody would be like yeah this is ridiculous how this guy bashed me for that. and then people started to bash him again for that and i'm like you see some people like it should be able to stretch all the way all the way out straight across the cage. Like I don't I don't fully believe that. I mean it should be able to stretch out, don't get me wrong. But I think if you have a sixteen foot retic, you don't need a sixteen foot long cage. Yeah, like if if full size retic, some of them get over twenty feet, so you're gonna dedicate a twenty foot wall. Who most people don't have twenty feet long walls in their houses. And, you know, the other side of the argument will be, well, then you shouldn't own the animal. Okay, I get, I get your argument. You're feeling like that argument as out, out of the well-being of the animal. I get that. But we can house these animals in the cages we house them in. The animal is perfectly fine. It's mental, well, whatever that article said, it's mental well-being will be okay. Uh, and we can still do it without having it stretch all the way across the cage. My... Six and a half foot, almost seven foot red tails in a four foot long cage, but it's four foot by two foot. It can stretch out across the front, along the sides. It's fine. So I don't know. I just, that argument, I see both sides. Obviously, yeah. I like my side better because it's my side. And it's, <laughs> I think, attainable. Yeah, there's obviously like a minimum amount. You know, you can't put a full size blood in a CB70. That's just. not going to happen um so i think there's a minimum but i don't necessarily think there's a maximum but that also is dependent on the animal because i've had 
uh, when my retic was younger and still growing, um, I put her up into a vision boa tub instead of the CB70. I, I moved her up and she tore apart her face. And so I moved her back down and then she was fine and chilled out. So it, it really depends on the animal also. Yeah, and it's just meeting the animal's comfortable level because some animals exactly. want to feel more secured. So you can put a ball python in a 4 by 2 by 2 and if you don't have any cover in it, it's not going to feel safe. But you have lots of foliage and whatever else you want to put in there, 20 hides, the animal's going to feel a lot more secure. Yeah, and I'm not bad-mouthing anybody who uses big caging for the animals. If you can do it, that's awesome. Uh and, and I would also, on the other end, bash the ones that underdo it. There are definitely ones. I mean, you've seen full-grown retics in, like, six-foot cages. And you're like, what the hell? Yeah. That's ridiculous. Um, but there's a, there's a large area in between those two extremes. And that's where most of us live, is in that large area in between the gigantic cages and the small cages. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like to fit suitable size cages for my animals, like my Madagascar giants. I keep them in four by two by twos or Christmas tree totes. And that's a very active snake, though. That that yeah wants to move around. Yeah, so yeah. I want to give them ample enough of space so that they can cruise around. And if I could put them in six foot enclosures, I probably would. But you know, ball pythons, blood pythons, samboas. Those guys aren't cruising. And as much as people go, well, in the wild, they move. Well, yes, but in the wild, they're searching for food. They no longer yeah. have to do that. They're searching for water. They no longer have to do that. They're searching for a mate. They no longer have to do that. And they're searching for a place to warm the body up. Oh, they no longer have to do that. So trying to compare your animal in captivity straight to the animal in the wild isn't a fair comparison. Like no. it doesn't, it's a, it's a horrible argument, you know? Yeah, and it seems like a lot of the animal activists don't want to see that side. They just are very narrow-minded in their opinion. It's tunnel vision. And they're tunnel-visioned on what they think their end goal should be. Well, and you listen to some of these arguments, and they act like the snake is a person. Because they're always like, well, I wouldn't want to do that. Well, no, but you're not a fucking snake. Yeah. I also wouldn't want to have my, uh, my jaws unhinge and swallow a rodent hole. That's why I don't do that, because I'm not a snake. I mean, that's it's. You watch some of these videos. I'm also a fisherman, so like I see on some of these things. I watched one of these animal rights people walked up. Uh, these guys had caught like a tilapia or something out of a canal. They had thrown it on the ground behind them. They're obviously going to take this tilapia home and eat it. And these people freaked the fuck out on them, talking about how its lungs collapsed. I'm like, well, first off, I need you to go it's back and learn. I need you to learn snake anatomy or uh, fish anatomy. That's wrong. And then they talked about its feelings. They have the right, they have the same feelings as people. I was like, well, no. Their brains don't work that way. Mythbusters prove that too. So I'm like, people try to put these, like, their brains don't function as people. And she ended up, they ended up picking up this tilapia who'd been on the ground for a while and then chunking it back into the water. Like, great. It's going to die from shock. Yeah, so now it's going to die and no one gets to eat it. You're an asshole. Yeah. Oh. So I just threw that, like I saw Brian Cusco had to read that whole that article. It kind of fits the, uh, uh, when Dave Kaufman was on, I talked about a documentary that was out that kind of really badmouthed the hobby about ball pythons and uh, really made it look like it's all wrong. It's just, again, goes back to when we talked about taking your animals out in public. We're under a microscope as a hobby. Yep. You can't give any ammo. 
And these people that think we're keeping them cruel will take anything they can get. And, you know, if you take an animal out in public, especially if a lot of times people that do that are maybe not the, that's going to sound kind of bad. They're not the person we want to put in front of the hobby as the face. And so that hurts us sometimes. Yeah. And usually the people that are the face is the people that, as a hobby, we don't want to be the face, so they're on YouTube making videos, and everybody's watching it. And Preaching, giving their animal the best care when they're doing nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing. April, with your YouTube channel. <laughs> we have a YouTube, too, but like we just post our interviews on it. Yeah. April has one. She posts videos about once every, I don't know, seven months. <laughs> well, I got busy with the job, but jobs aren't important, the, April. Since I have the babies hatching, I'll put out a video next week, probably. So I do want to pause and talk about that because you didn't mention that at the beginning, and I was very interested. So what's well, hatching? I literally got a text message in the middle of us um, going. So I just learned while we're on the podcast that my Borneo clutch, that mold got to half of it, uh, it's hatching right now. One of them's fully out of the egg. One of them has a head popping out. And then there's three more, but she can't see through the condensation in the tub to see uh, what's going on with them. So that's my, my roommate who currently is, uh, well, on Sunday is moving out of the, the house. So she's checked on them for me and found little babies. So that's exciting. Breaking awesome. news. Fun to go home to. Yeah, breaking news. Well, that should be little happens. striped Borneo babies. Well, I still have two very fat pregnant snakes who we had a storm go through today. I was like, oh, storm. We're going to have babies. No. No, there's no babies. Yeah, I'm still waiting for my speckled hawk nose to hopefully lay. She kind of looks gravid, but over the past couple of weeks, she hasn't, and I palpated her, didn't feel anything. And like it's just month, gas. Yeah, she's like, gas. like a month ago, she looked like a sack of potatoes when she was shedding. So I was like, oh, cool. I'm going to get eggs. This is going to be awesome. And it's been like four weeks later, and I'm like, all right, so nothing's going to happen. That sucks. That's how it was with my rainbow boas this past year. She swole up. And I was like, oh, hell, she shed. I was like, oh, yes. And nothing. It's yeah. now been like eight months since then <laughs> and nothing. Yeah, I'm at like a month, so maybe she's just holding out longer. I don't know. See what happens. My gecko gave me one big, fat, giant slug. Well, way to bring Ew. everything down. <laughs> <laughs> I was like stoked for weeks. I was like, this gecko's going to ex explode if she doesn't get rid of it like this egg soon and then i went up and checked and i was like no that is not a slugs <laughs> no and it was a slug. It wasn't a slug it was a popcorn kernel it, it was literally the size of a popcorn kernel <laughs> <laughs> it was a gummy popcorn kernel <laughs> oh so on on the track of babies there was one thing i saw this week on facebook um Dave Calling, who I, I've followed for a long time because I like rainbow boas, and anybody that does rainbow boas knows Dave Calling because he's kind of like the number one guy. Uh, he made a post this week on his business page, which is Rainbows R Us. Uh, so check out Rainbows R Us. But uh, oh, I know him. Yeah, he uh, he posted because he found out that babies can fit in the gaps provided by the sliding bypass doors on four foot cages, or on any cage with <laughs> a sliding door. He uh. He had a mom give birth. This is obviously not an issue for y'all with eggs because they're in an incubator. But he had a mom give birth. And then he said when he had opened the door, he saw a tail sticking down from above the plexiglass. And a little baby was 
up inside the track of the uh, the door. Worst nightmare oh ever. And the baby came out, and it was fine. But that's one of those things, like, for the live birth people, double-check all the places. Like, uh, one thing I've heard before is people that had uh, live birth that had for things that come out really small was, you know, they had vent holes or this or that, and they were just big enough for babies to get out. And then they're having to try and find babies in the snake room because they just got out as they were born. So. Nope. 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 <laughs> for, <laughs> for all of you li- live birth people, double check all openings on your mom's cage uh, before the babies get here. Um, but there's pictures. If you go to Rainbows R Us, you can see the pictures of the the tail hanging down from the plastic glass door, and you can see the snake coming out of the door. Uh, it was very interesting. I was like, man, that's got that, at least it came out and it was fine, and there were no. Yeah. Did he say that it was just like a waiting game? Like, what did he do? Because normally to get the glass out, you have to push up. So obviously he, well, he, he couldn't do that. He didn't take the glass out. He just kind of like slid it open more, and the snake kind of worked its way <laughs> down and out. Interesting. Yeah, because yeah, you wouldn't be able to go pull it out. Cause, yeah, you gotta go up and mm-hmm. then down. Yeah. Yeah. You can so. squish it. Those things that people don't think of, uh, that's one thing people need to think of. Um, it can happen. And then uh, another Well, then what's going to happen is everyone's going to look at the their female's cage and be like, oh, no, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Until it's not. <laughs> yes. Well, people always uh, forget how small babies actually are until they're like, oh, shit, right. <laughs> well, yeah, because they're right? in front of me. Even if you're producing babies every, every year, like I, I produce Samboa's kind of every year now and, and i know how small I, but every time i get a litter i'm like god i forget how small these damn things are yeah well, it's like when my assfs have litters and like damn those like are smaller than jelly beans like <laughs> since when are pinkies that small hey that ties into one of our videos we'll do that now okay <laughs> so i did a video freedom freedom breeder put out a video today yesterday recently uh with garrett hartle in it for those of you that don't know garrett hartle if you want to know anything about uh, dwarf retics, you probably are going to learn it from Garrett Hartle. But uh, the video was Should You Be Breeding Rodents? Garrett Hartle went out there. He was talking to them about the benefits of breeding rodents. If you have a sizable collection, uh, 20, 40 snakes or more, you know, it depends on what you think of sizable. And, uh, and of course, the folks at Freedom Breeder were saying yes, because you can, you know, yes, the racks are expensive up front. But you start making enough rodents, it pays for your rodent bill, and then you can sell extras. And I'm like, yes, that's all great. But here's my problem. is I put a price on my time, and I find myself to be very expensive. And I find myself way too expensive to pay myself to clean my cages. And I know you said you had Asian soft furs, so you obviously do it. I, I can't. I, just, I can't do my collection and then, and then want to go deal with mice and rats. See, like, me and my partner, like, our collection's, like, split. He takes care of all the ball pythons. I take care of my geckos, my monitor, and all the feeders. So it's nice. Like, we we have everything broken up, so it's all about 50-50. Yeah. It's not one person trying to take care of a, a mass collection because I wouldn't be able to take care of all of it by myself. I just like to hand people money and buy dead things to feed to my live things. Yes, I, I will give you dead things. <laughs> well, and I liked Garrett Hardle's thing. Was he always finds it easier just to go out and sell one snake and then go buy rodents. And I'm like, I mean, granted, Garrett Hardle can make more off his – his retics and I can't off Samboas. But I do see that where I'm like, when I breed snakes, I'm like, yeah, I'm basically breeding snakes so I can buy rats the rest of the year. 
that's that's easier for me. April, would you do? Would you breed rodents? So I went into this video with a hard no. I would not do it, mostly because of the smell. Yeah. Um, and not having a, I'd have to build. That would be definitely building a separate outdoor building for them, so they're far away from my house, so there's no smell issue. Um, but then when I was going through the video and they were talking about all the different things, I was like, oh, maybe I could, you know. And Freedom Breeder does have a really good system. They've made like really great improvements to it um, to you know, keep it from flooding, that type of thing, and not catching on the, the water tube and stuff when you pull out the bin. So, and they were telling you how you could, how you um, do like the, the colony breeding and then take out the females and pick which ones are best. And they were giving you, I'm like, oh, you know, that's doable. I could do that. I'm like, so maybe one day when I have a snake building, I can like have it split where part of it's snakes and then part of it's the rodents and have them on separate air so that way the snakes can't smell the rodents yada 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 and i'm like wait a minute april that's a lot of freaking work <laughs> and i don't think i really want to do that plus i would what would end up happening is it would the colony would end up doing really well and then i'd probably be stuck with rodents for a while because there's a pretty big rodent there's a couple big rodent people in the area so i would just be competing with them and they have it down to a freaking science and it would just be like my leftovers, you know? So I feel like I'd be overrun with rats at some point. Um, I, I used to have a couple ASF colonies and I got overrun really fast. Now I just have the one colony and a way bigger collection than I did before. And I think, I think it they'll produce the right amount that I need just to maintain my animals with like maybe a couple extras that I'll just toss Brandon to get to his tegus, hatchlings, whatever, right? Um, I don't need to make money off of it and one colony isn't making or breaking me. It's just way more convenient for me than going down to my local pet or my like wherever what's oh my god i can't even talk right now um, it, it's just way easier to have them at my house than going to pester to buy mice or whatever and then with the asfs they don't even smell well that's nice see yeah. I've, I've thought about doing I, I, I wouldn't breed mice yeah and see and, i thought and, about doing mice and rats are illegal where i live so really yeah, that's live rats are a thousand billion percent illegal. Yeah, so but, we can but mice aren't. The, no, they're, they're uh, Alberta is a rat-free province. It's been like that for like 40, 50 years. So yeah. as soon as the border uh, comes along, the rats are like, we're just going to turn around and go back. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they only try to cross at, at places where it's patrolled. Oh, okay. Well, so that's, that's, that's well-behaved rats. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, there's definitely none in the province. <laughs> so funny. See, I thought about doing a, a couple, you know, a handful of female mice just to produce enough pinkies to keep on hand for when I have babies. But then I was like, God, mice smell horrible. And the first time my watering system just dumps into the tub and drowns them all, I'd end up saying, fuck it, and I'm done. But well, if you get the new... Out. If you get the new Freedom Breeder rack, you won't have that problem of it no. getting flooded. No, it can still happen. Or you can I know, half, half of that video. Get, be able to get one unless you want to pay like an extra thousand dollars in shipping. If the thousand dollars for shipping and then the horrible exchange rate, so you know it's like an extra oh, double the price. Oh, so 
Like I yeah, ordered... the, their videos always turn into like advertisement halfway through, which it, I mean, it's a business. I, get it. I yeah, understand, I get it. <laughs> but I'm just like, I don't want to hear you talk about this like that anymore. Okay, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I was like, yeah, it's still easier for me just to pay someone to ship me some frozen ones and throw them in my freezer. Yeah, I think that's... if if I was able to like only breed snakes and take care of my house and have a rat colony, I could do it. Life would be okay. But yeah, if but I'm working like, still, no. That's basically what my life is because I'm not working right now. Then I I think I could handle that if, if that was the case. It, I probably it, could. It, it's really manageable because I have nothing but time at home. But like if I'm working full time, you know, my other half better step up. <laughs> <laughs> But, like, I also have rabbits as well that I'm trying to breed for, like, my bigger snakes, like my boas, which I guess is my only bigger snakes. But, you know, um, and then my dogs can eat it. I can eat it. Same with the quail. You know, I, I try yeah, to your cat be can as eat multi-purpose it. as possible. You know, the ASFs are the only thing that I'm not willing to eat. <laughs> oh, come on, just batter them up and throw them in the deep fryer. <laughs> I mean, snakes seem to love them. They can't be bad, right? Because snakes think just like people. That's what the animal rights guys said. That's right. That's true. Same that brains. True. So I bet the ASFs are delicious. Just swallow them whole. That's how they do it. So you should do it. Just batter them up and deep fry them. <laughs> oh, God. I think, a, I think a pinky would explode in the deep fryer. Ew. <laughs> go, go, oh, go ahead. Gross. Go ahead and try that. <laughs> oh, man. deep fryer too much. It's new and expensive. <laughs> Man. So this week we also had our buddy Ryan Cox post a video, which it's been around for a little while, but it was Dave Kaufman's video when he went to Australia, uh, and he was showing some of the awesome Australian snake morphs they had, uh, mainly that they had like albino carpets and this amazing those, those albino are hybrids. The yes, I know, I, I know they were they were brettles, albino brettles. Yeah. And, they were like a mix of everything, it seemed like. Yeah, but they were fucking amazing. I don't give a shit. I'll take a hybrid, because that thing was orange. Just bright, bright orange. And I want it. Yeah, I, I can't jump on the uh, the hybrid train. You suck. Go to hell. They were awesome. Too much. I mean, they were really pretty, and I do. <laughs> like, I appreciate their look and the work that he put into them. Um. You know, there's even there's a hybrid um, short tail that I really like actually, but I just know what it takes. The generation beforehand are very very ugly, really, and I'd be so afraid that the generation beforehand that was ugly and mixed would get out into the public, and then people would start mixing things, and then I wouldn't have pure lines, and that's why I can't back the the hybrid. I think like. Right. As- I think a 50-50 hybrid, you're going to be able to tell what it is. You know what I mean? Like, um, someone here just produced, what, blood balls? I think so. Yeah, blood balls. And, like, it's pretty obvious that it's not a blood or a ball python. Like, and if you're going to confuse that, then I think you're maybe two bricks short of the load and shouldn't be breeding. But the problem is like doing a blood python to a Borneo short tail. See that I understand. That is when it gets really hard. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Or like, um, even well, Morelia, right? Well, the, the video, yeah, yeah, it was a Brettles and I believe a Darwin, which I was the albino. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, when, once it's albino, it's kind of hard to tell what it is if you don't know what the two parents were, but it's still awesome looking. 
Well, he fed them in the beginning. He fed the generation beforehand in the beginning of the video. And, I mean, if he didn't say exactly what was all in them, I would not have guessed that Breadlight was in that snake. In the four that that he had cohabbed together, I wouldn't have thought that Breadlight was in that from that video. But then from the albino version, I could moderately tell. I think generally if you're going to be getting something that's a hybrid you most people usually will tell you what it is and most people will know what it is because they're usually pretty fucking expensive and which is so funny to me <laughs> yeah yeah an, an abomination is expensive for well, that's like reason my parents are buying a uh a, a labradoodle a, a gold a, gold, a golden doodle actually it's an it's an irish golden doodle this one uh oh man it's an, it's, a, it's, yeah. an, it's an Irish setter doodle and a golden doodle bred together. Uh, they're adorable puppies. But the fact, like, this is the cheapest. So the person we're getting it from had it at the price that I think is still expensive, but it's super cheap compared to everybody else. They were roughly like a thousand bucks. Everyone else sells that shit for like three thousand dollars. I'm like, it's a mutt. Yeah. You're selling a mutt. For, I can go to the pound. Yeah. I get that you bred it with a poodle, but it's a designer mutt. Is what it is. Although, you know, you, we say that, and then I'm like, oh, yeah, I paid 600 bucks for a, a different colored Kenyan Sampo. And so, like, yeah. I, I get that people are going to spend – they're going to spend money on what they want to spend money on. But it's still hard for me – like, I, could, I couldn't do it. I couldn't spend $1,000 on a, on a dog. Any dog. I, I just couldn't do it. My buddy bought a $2,000 Australian Shepherd. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> See how you feel I mean, about that. How do you feel gosh. about that one? <laughs> All my dogs are mutts. <laughs> I cannot say the same for my mammals no. that I can. No, your your mammals were expensive ball sacks. <laughs> I have an yes. I have an albino mutt. Do you really? Your dog? Is yeah, I have an albino cool. dog. What kind He's of dog? It's cool. He's husky uh, golden retriever. Uh, the only... He's like white with blue eyes and a pink nose. Yeah. Well, that's not albino. That's leucistic then. Yeah. They got blue eyes. Yeah, that's true. So it's even more expensive. He's, he's yeah. a bell dog. Yeah. <laughs> Atticus, the blue eyed Lucy. <laughs> blue eyed Lucy. That's going to be, everybody's going to want those. Those are super expensive. So start yeah. reading it out to everything. Well, he just got his nuts yeah, chopped. He just got his nuts removed because he's lost, an asshole. You just lost all your money right there. Nah, I'm not worried about it. <laughs> he's expensive enough because he has allergies. Oh, all, yeah. We have a we have what was a fifty dollar supposed to be a fifty dollar miniature dachshund. It was definitely miniature dachshund and chihuahua, and he has seizures. So every day he takes anti seizure medicine. If my dog eats chicken, he shits all over the back seat of my car. So, wait, even like if he's not only in, the back seat, even if he's not in your car, that's amazing. No, so yeah, he also he's shits on the other dog too. Yeah, he oh, was in no. the back seat of my car. I went to go pick up my wife from work, and it sounded like he farted. Brandon even texted me that the dog farted. T- t- turns out he fucking diarrheaed all over the corner of my car and my other dog. Oh god. <laughs> Wait, so he shit on the other dog? That's talent. <laughs> oh my god! I, I, I'm sorry. I'm burning the car at that point. I don't. I don't do bodily fluids and stuff. That's like my Wait, daughter man, was. My daughter was growing up. My daughter was growing up. Anything like that? I was like, all right, it's your daughter, and I'd hand it over to my wife. I'm like, I mean, I'll change diapers, but like, there was a time I came in. She was in her crib. 
she's gonna kill me when she gets like if she ever hears this. She was in her crib and she's taking her diaper off, and there was shit everywhere. We, we uh, called those explosions. It it was rubbed all over her crib, her wall, herself. She had picked it up. I closed the door to her bedroom. I walked back to my bed. I looked at my wife and said, she's yours. And I walked away. I couldn't do it. See what I have to look forward to? Oh. Yeah, Brandon's supposed to have a kid next week. Congrats. Yeah. Have fun. I'm not going to be one of those like, well, now you're going to have to get rid of everything. Have you gotten that yet? How many of those have you gotten? Uh, a, a lot of my other family. So, are you getting rid of any animals? No. Can I get rid of you though? <laughs> I, I, we got that all the time. I'm like, no. I'll probably have more by the time she gets here. Yeah, it's <laughs> basically it. I, was, I, was, I, I think I'm kind of prepared for the shit because I got tagus and they like to be pukasos. Right. Brandon's usually Brandon will show up to my house and I'm like, you got poop on your arm. <laughs> <laughs> Brandon, let me tell you the one thing that they don't prepare prepare you for. So. Baby's gonna be born. The very first diaper in the hospital. You're gonna change it. I what? need you. To, I need yes. I need you to understand. It looks like tar. No one tells you that. So when you open it up and don't know, you go, "What the fuck is wrong with my kid?" It's supposed to look that way. <laughs> it's tar shit, and it and it's, it's sticky like tar. It's, it's like they released evil out of their asshole, and it's in a diaper. <laughs> so I just want you to be prepared that it's there. It's coming. It's going to be there. Look, after a, a day or so, it won't be that way. But that first diaper is a nightmare. All right. Something then it gets seedy. Yeah. Yeah, the, the worst is when it when like it leaks out the leg of the diaper. No, when it leaks up the back of the diaper. Uh, Look at all the stuff you have to look forward to, Brandon. Just shit. That's really... That's when you just put the whole baby into the tub, clothed in everything, and just turn the <laughs> shower on and, like, slowly peel the layers off and rinse as you go. Yeah, this is why, like, folks that do cloth diapers, I'm like, that's fucking gross. I'm sorry. I have to throw that stuff away. It has to leave my house immediately. Like, I, someone was like, you should use cloth diapers. I'm like, I'm first off, I don't want to change the shit. I'm going to have to because it's my kid. Second, I'm not going to then take that shit and carry it to my washing machine. Like, I'm pretty sure shit. my mom had like a service for my sister, and this is in the early 1990s. Not all of us are fancy enough to have a service come. I don't. My mom was not in a position to be fancy, so it couldn't <laughs> have been too crazy. But I almost, I, I really want to. I was. Um, this is like my five-year-old brain trying to dig this up right now. But I think she like. <laughs> Put it in a bag, and then they came and picked it up and gave I, her new ones. I think actually, uh, my local um, laundromat does that as well. That's and a I shitty job. In, like a really, really <laughs> small town, but I think I actually remember seeing them I, advertising. I, I, for I can't, it. I can't with a clear conscience pay somebody to come pick up my bag of shit that's been sitting there for I don't know three, four, days, however long it took for them to come get the bag. Hey, I wouldn't want that job. Oh, hey guys, see you next week. I mean, there's a bag of shit. Can you wash the cloths in there? <laughs> can you clean? Can you clean that shit out of these these uh towels for me? Oh, uh, I just that's that was, I I can't do it. I was like, no. I know that they're filling up landfills. I know that they don't biodegrade, whatever. But I'm sorry, I'm not washing shit out of cloth. It's just not happening. There's certain times I don't care enough about the environment. <laughs> That's one of the times where I'm like, fuck the earth. Okay, we all got to die at some point, I guess. I don't. <laughs> Snakes stay away from the landfills with the poop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyways. Oh, 
one last thing I wanted to add, because while we were sitting here doing this podcast, I had somebody add something to our list of things they wanted us to talk about this week. Stephen Livingston posted, and this kind of ties into, we talked about uh, venomous frogs a couple episodes ago. Uh, mm-hmm. that, that they have like this venom up in the, the roof of their mouth, and then they scrape you with the teeth, and then the venom feeds into your skin. Well, they so also- is that like a half-assed rear fang frog? <laughs> kind of. It's a bad venom delivery system for a frog, yeah. It's, it's, Apparently, uh, it like headbutts its whatever it wants to invent. Yes, thank you, thank you, Travis Weinman, for sending us a uh, breakdown yeah. of our episode and telling us about that. Uh, but this one is a snake-like venom gland discovered along the teeth of amphibians, and the amphibians they studied are succillions. So, have, there's never seen a succillion. Imagine if a worm fucked a snake but felt like a frog. That's a Sicilian. I'm gonna need to go on our page and look at this because I'm yeah. having trouble. I, I think I've seen that earlier. They uh, they they look like segmented bodies, like on a worm, but they're not. They are an amphibian, but they have no legs. They're the one amphibian with no legs. They live underground. They identify them in Central and South America. Central, yeah, somewhere in there. Uh, but they found these venom glands in the in these Sicilians. Further research can confirm that the glands contain venom. Succillians may represent the oldest land-dwelling vertebrate animal with oral venom glands. Interesting. That's super cool. Yeah. Uh, so, I thought that was kind of cool. Succillians are also, I, you never see them anywhere, but they're, they're a really cool thing. I know about them because I teach them every year when I teach classification. Uh, but they're a neat amphibian uh, that has no legs. Hmm. Oh, internet's shit. not working. I'm trying to look it up, and my internet's not working. I'll have to Sorry, do that later. But so that was added. Like I said, that was added like in the middle of this podcast, and I wanted to bring it up. So it was on this week's thing. So there it is. I brought it up. Weird venomous Sicilians. Yeah, I think I've seen that post earlier, except I never looked at it because I was at work. <laughs> not to be weirded out by weird venomous Sicilians, which are people from Sicily, uh, and that's completely different. Yeah, that people? Is that, is that what you're trying to say? Yeah, people yeah. from Sicily would be Sicilians. This is a Sicilian. This is different. Don't want you to get the two confused. They look very similar. You're already confusing her. I think he's trying to be funny and failing, I think, is what's happening. I found it hilarious. I've reached a point in my life. I thought it was funny. I, I realized, <laughs> so I realized something the other day. I realized that I, uh, well, I, I've kind of realized I'm old. I know that. Uh, even at 35, I feel, I just feel old. But I realized that I've reached the part in my life where I no longer, I truly no longer give a fuck. So I'm like the point like where I, I feel tell like you're too young to reach that point already. No, it's great me. that you you trust, have though. Trust it's me, called I, being jaded. I, I no longer care if people find my jokes funny. I think it's also part of being a dad because my daughter finds almost none of my jokes funny. But I don't care. I also realized like it's one of those things like you know, fat people know this. When you're a kid and you go to the pool. You wear a shirt. It just it makes you feel better. You're like, if I can hide all this fat, chicks will think I'm sexy still. So when I reached just a, lie to yourself at that point then. Yeah, it works. I've reached a point now where I'm like, I'm about as sexy as I'm gonna get or work towards. I no longer give a shit. I'm not wearing a shirt if I go to the pool. I don't care. I wear a shirt to go to the pool because my titties always fall out if I do. <laughs> <laughs> Kids will be like, let's go in the water slide. Like, 
Okay, yeah, water slides, are, water slides mess you up. It's a completely different issue. <laughs> oh, man. So, anywho, that's that's what I have for the week. Anybody else have anything else, anything you two want to add, something that has bothered you in the hobby or something you want to add that you like about the hobby, something that's anything. It is your um, time. I like the portion where of the hobby where a lot of people want to work together and attain a goal that's sustainable for the hobby so we can keep the things and i hate how there's people who just ruin it for everybody yeah that, i think that's that's not just your hobby that's every hobby that's no, everything it, it's it's everything and it's always going to be an ongoing issue well i i do like i think in our hobby we have gotten very close and i think all these podcasts your podcast our podcast all the other ones came before us have really helped bring the hobby together because we now hear from people that are doing things that we do that we would not have known about otherwise. Well, yeah. I've gained so much information since starting doing the hobby because, like, I'm not a professional. I don't know everything about reptiles. I've never worked in a zoo or, you know, any of that stuff. I have zero qualifications other than I really, really like them. So, you know, everyone I talk to is smarter than me about something. So all I'm doing is constantly, like, soaking up more and more and more and, like, how else are we going to advance the hobby? Yes. And, and other people in the field too are going to have uh, more knowledge on certain subjects about the hobby too. So uh, if we work collectively as a group, we're going to benefit from that. And, and one thing I do want to hit on since we kind of you know, talk about it much, I do want to talk about your podcast for a second because some people may not have heard of the Canadian Herpetoculture podcast, but yours. That is you guys. <laughs> so your podcast is interview based very much like the other ones. Um, but you've been reaching out to like non hobbyist people too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, if, if you're involved in reptiles in any way, like you're on our target list, you know, um, it, there's just so much more than just keeping reptiles that, you know, is going to improve the hobby. You know, talking to the herpetologists that are studying them out in the wild is really important because we can apply that information to how we keep them in captivity and, you know, come up with this amazing hybrid of captive keeping with wild influences and keep the animals in better condition than, you know, red lights and fish tanks. I don't know, Brandon, you've really wanted to reach out and cause change and things like Madagascar, where a big part of your collection comes from. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so with some of my animal sales, I'm going to be taking $50 from my sales and put that towards conservation. Um, I've applied that to the Herp Society that I'm part of. So $5 from all our future uh, memberships will go towards conservation in Alberta. We have a group that we're donating to actually next weekend. I got to go uh, hand them a thousand dollar check. A donation. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, we uh, agreed to make a $1,000 donation for their running fees and stuff like that. Uh, they gave us a list of some of the stuff that they're looking forward to doing. Uh, they want to eventually buy land, so we're in the works of planning some stuff with them and some other events. Um, I just want to help aid in conservation and education with and the whole hobby. We, we do that with the podcast as well. Um, there's one of the tiers on our Patreon, uh, 10 bucks from your 
donation goes towards um, a Canadian nonprofit. Nonprofit that's reptile related. So um, I think we have a couple rescues, some herp societies, some conservation societies. You know, it, it's really all about giving back and having these animals taken yeah, care of. Yeah, because I, I think it would be really disappointing to not be able to see the animals that I enjoy in my home in the wild. That's cool. Like I, I said, that, that's great that you're doing that. Yeah, I'd like I said, I'd started. I've talked about on our podcast taking a portion of every time I do a show or animal sales and putting it towards U.S. Ark was kind of my big thing. Our 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 lawyers that help us out here, um, and so I, I felt like uh, for me when it comes to the hobby, that's kind of my my dues into the hobby. They help make sure I can keep my animals. We talked about all these laws that are trying to get passed. U.S. Arc for us is our group that helps fight to, so that these things don't happen, or at least if they do, they're manageable and we can still function with them. Yeah. Yeah, we really don't have a group like U.S. Arc right now. Um, in Ontario, they started a group called Evolve, so they're kind of dealing with the Ontario government on that side. Um, the Herb Society that I'm involved with, we've had to deal with uh, the per- province trying to ban dark frogs previously, so... Uh, okay, wait, wait, wait. Why? Because uh, they're dumb. Because they're dumb. <laughs> they're Someone like, explained to them that they're not poisonous in captivity, right? That's what we had to do after the fact that they banned them, and then four years later they took them off the list. So, put, put other stuff. On yeah, the and then they they're like surprised. Here's a bunch of other crap on the list. So, isn't that when they added the Gonyosoma? Uh, yeah. Yeah, they added a bunch of random stuff. So, so rhino rats are technically illegal here. Because they'll stab you with their pointy noses? I don't know. Yes. <laughs> and they're going to poke somebody's eye out, so. <laughs> and, like, they were mainly added um, so that the, what was it, the red-tailed rat snakes? Yeah. That's what they actually wanted to outlaw, but then the um, okay. rhino rats ended up getting locked in with it. Yeah, they kind of just do blanket bans on certain species, so they just include a genus, and then that's the thing. That's a a weird-ass genus to go after, because there cannot be that many people owning red-tailed rat snakes. I mean, one, they're assholes. I've dealt with wild cults before. They're not the best. But, like, just in general, they're they're an obscure colubrid. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a lot of colubrids that we can't own here. There's a whole controlled list, so. And we can't have any giant species either. Yeah. And a lot of monitors that we can't have either. But the province over, you can't have ball pythons, but you can have an American alligator. So oh, that seems smart. right. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because yeah. those ball pythons, you do worry about them killing your children. Yeah. No ball pythons, no boas, but you can have lace monitors. Is that the more you can't. You can't have like sand boas either, right? No. No. No sand boas. Anything that it, what the law was originally intended for was anything in the boa day family. So originally, when that law was made in like <laughs> 1984, pythons were still in that family. So they go back to what the intent of the law was. So those scary Stimpsons and children's pythons, you don't want them attacking your people. Yeah. No sand boas. No nothing. But you can uh, feed your children to an American alligator if you want. Uh, pro- fucking baskets. Priorities. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, yeah, a, a lot of our laws don't make sense to yeah. us, but to whoever wrote them, they probably make somewhat sense. Because they know nothing about the animals. That's all lawmakers for any law. They know nothing about the things they make laws about. Yeah. Uh, April, anything else you want to add this week other than you have baby snakes? Nope. Nope. 
But next week I'll talk about my baby snakes when I get to see them. <laughs> hey, maybe there's a chance I'll talk about baby snakes. We'll see. No, I'll look yeah. forward to seeing pictures. Absolutely, I'll post I them. Like baby snakes. And they're, hopefully they're cute. I hope. Nagini <laughs> one, Nagini two. If it's if it's a boy, it's Ka. Yeah. I laugh because Terrell had a carpet python. His first carpet python was Ka. Of course it was. Yeah. <laughs> I, I posted pictures of my uh, hatchling Madagascar giants that I produced last year the other day. Posted some pictures of those because they were late in the season, so everybody thinks they're a lot older than they are. But Hey, Brandon, how's your arts and crafts project coming along? Oh, my uh, epoxy display for my skeleton that I'm working on? Yeah, your arts and crafts project. Um, I gotta do another layer of epoxy after I um, do some work onto the wood that I want to take some excess epoxy away from, and then do my final pour. And then I got a bunch of moss to um, add on to it. Then I gotta cut it into shape, router all the edges, and then give it to my taxidermy guy so he can uh, get the skeleton clean, mount it into position, and then finalize the degreasing and everything else so and what kind of skeleton is it again it's an argentine black and white tegu she was with us for a couple of years and she uh ended up uh, hurting her spine and then cutting off blood flow to a portion of her body and then she ended up having necrosis in wow. one of her legs and then uh the vet thinks that eventually there was a blood clot that just stopped all the blood flow so it was very unfortunate. We did take her to the vet to try and do what we could. She was starting to get better, and then the necrosis took over, and the blood flow just kind of stopped. So she unfortunately passed away. We were going to put her down, but she passed away before we could because uh, we noticed that she was suffering, and she wasn't doing as well as she used to. So it was very unfortunate, but I figured I'd give her a nice display and uh, have a good memory of her. So It's a good way to honor the animal, and it can provide education for future generations for ever, basically. Yeah. Uh, you know, I also wait. have another one that I did, which is uh, a Colombian tegu, and uh, he passed away of metabolic bone disease. You can see the thinning of the bones in uh, his shoulders and portions of his jaw where you can see daylight coming through it. Oh, wow. That's, so that's really interesting. Yeah, it's actually a really cool piece. I did a epoxy river for that, and it's all surrounded in glass as well. And uh, it looks really cool. It's a great educational piece because uh, that's something that you don't see very often is the bone structure of animals that require UVB and the importance of that. So um, if you're not giving them enough vitamins, the proper diet, and the proper lighting, issues like this will happen, and the animal's not going to live a long life. So your you use, go ahead. Sorry. No, go you ahead. Use the the beetles to get rid of the flesh and whatnot. I don't do that. I have a taxidermy guy that does it all for me because I don't feel like putting <laughs> together a three thousand puzzle piece. Yeah, I was. I was, like, he I was articulates about to be really too. impressed. <laughs> yeah, he articulates them for me. Yeah, he gives me a really good deal. Um, I actually got to buy a snake skeleton off of him, and then I got to put it back together because he got bored of it. He because Brandon like wanted a three thousand piece puzzle. Yeah, so, um, I'm gonna turn that one into a coffee table. So I'm gonna inlay the skeleton into the river coffee table, and I'm gonna go for a decayed look. So that'll be a cool project to do after this one. And 
I apologize to anybody listening. If it's been hard to hear Brandon throughout this episode, it's because that his snake room is too loud. <laughs> you, and it's also because I forgot the sound panels. Nope, nope, it's not that. It's not that. It's his <laughs> bright green ass walls that y'all can't see that I've seen as he's done them. They he, are. He actually has a cup that blends in with the wall right I'd, now. I'd probably lose it if it was against the wall. Well, and I laugh because <laughs> I, I just put up I just put up curtains in my snake room that are bright green. I bought a tool chest in my snake room that is bright green. My logo is bright green and orange. I love bright green, but I saw when he painted that, I was like, that may be too much bright green. And I've never thought that before until I saw your room. It's pretty loud, but now that I have my white PVC enclosures in here, my black vision rack and everything it, else it in here, it's it not so loud. Once yeah. you see the whole room, like it's it's not as bad. <laughs> it's just the one corner behind him. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like I saw the original pictures when it was empty and it was just paint. And I was like, that's a lot of green to stare at. But I guess once you get things in there, it definitely helps. It's yeah. got to make it so much easier to see, like just lighting wise in there. It's got to. Well, that's, that's kind of why I picked the color. And I also went with a, a gloss paint, too, is just to help with the lighting. Because this room uh, doesn't get a whole lot of light during the day at all because it's. Uh, east facing so by the time all the sun heats up my living room to 60 degrees celsius and then gets to the back of the house there's not much light so yeah i'm i've been told i'm not allowed to paint our house one i hate painting um and because i hate it i do a shitty job uh, so all painting in houses that we've ever lived in is my wife's job <laughs> so yeah I do a lot of the painting and then the drywall fixing because I'm in construction. So Brandon does all the man stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So that is all I have for this week. That's it. I'm officially done. April, you've been done for, I'm sure, about 15 minutes now. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> um, I'm glad we talked about y'all's podcast. Everybody should go out, check out the Canadian Herpeticulture Podcast. I know there's 70 podcasts, but. At this point, honestly, with podcasts, you just kind of have to find the ones that you that enjoy are, that are on the yep. top. Well, I mean, like just the topic. Like I may not listen to all of yours, but I will definitely listen to a handful. Like when I see that topic list or who you had on there, I'm like, oh yeah, that's why. Just because at this point you can no longer do that. Whereas when you speak NPR and from the ground up, I'm like yeah, I can listen to those too. That's easy. Yeah. And now it's everybody. Yeah, I do the same thing too. If there's certain topics, I'll listen to it. Yep. If it's somebody that, if it's more Morelia talk, and I usually don't want to listen to it. So, <laughs> yeah, like <there's, laughs> that's just me because there's 500 episodes of Morelia out there now. So, yeah, Jake and Justin. <laughs> I can't say anything. I said it's their fault and Owen's fault, but I now own a Brettles python. So, and I, and I <laughs> awesome. I, I fixed up the lighting in my Brettles cage last night, so now I can light it up really nice. Yeah, I do like that'd it. be cool. Yeah. yeah. I have, I have to quit listening to other podcasts so I don't buy stuff. <laughs> I'm kind of focused because I'm into like weird color birds. So there's a couple species that I'm interested in, but they're either really stupid, hard to find, or I can't find them. My importer's just content being like my drug pusher right now. <laughs> Your importer can't find the animals that I want. Yeah, but she finds all the ones I want, so, so I don't see, care. You should get goofy, somewhat venomous snakes like April. I know you already have some. You can well, get more. I'm looking at Paris Bastilianus, and they come. Stop using that. big names. There's no common name. Yeah, they don't have a. Common We're gonna make name. one up. What's it look like? It, it looks like a 
a Calakian kind of, but with like ginormous eyes. Yeah, and like, like really a really weird eyes. kind of flat front face because they're lizard eaters. So, all right, so it's a zebra something. We're working. We got we got to start. <laughs> the, the zebra tree snake. There they are Ze- Zebra cat eye tree snake. We're done. Moving on. <laughs> but yeah, they're they're super hard to find. Um, one of the herpetologists I talked to, he's only seen like two of them in captivity. So in Europe. So you say Europe with disdain. There in Europe. Yeah, because well, heard... it's not anywhere close to here, so we can't get it. That's why I'm saying it. Like <laughs> I, I can get them. Actually, it's easier to get animals from Europe than it is to get them from the States. Yeah. That's really? Yeah. Yeah. That is Way crazy. easier. Yeah, it, it's weird. It, importing from the States isn't even a blip on my radar. Yeah, and it's How usually funny. like way more money, too, So because the exchange rate now sucks. Yeah, like we're, we're paying like double website hosting fees for our podcast right now well maybe y'all can just trade us some maple syrup and mooses and we'll be all right i was gonna send uh justin maple syrup when he was real maple syrup yeah but he didn't want any so i'll send you guys maple rude. syrup. who doesn't want maple syrup <laughs> apparently <laughs> justin the hell justin it's I'll maple guys, syrup i'll send you guys maple syrup and stickers we we Yay. send a canadian care package to uh winston the tegu yeah uh sarah Curry, she, <laughs> ma- she made her logo and she didn't want to get paid for it, so we just sent her, like, a box of Canadian candy and illegal candy because I sent her Kinder Surprise. Oh, oh, yeah. I had a German foreign exchange student in high school whose parents sent over, uh, like, original Kinder with the hidden candy, hidden toys and all in it. Uh, and I remember getting those and thinking, man, why don't we have these here? And then later in life I realized, oh, we don't have them here because Americans choke on shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're, not, we're not allowed to hide candies and stuff because stupid kids choke on shit. That's how you weed out the stupid kids. That's right. But apparently you guys aren't very good at that. No, we're not. <laughs> no, obviously. <laughs> I need stickers because I now have my, my freezer. I've realized I'm just going to start covering my freezer in reptile stickers. S- send me your addresses and I'll mail you guys some stickers. And <gasps> okay. if you're lucky, okay. maple syrup. Yeah, we have stickers totally. at the list. And they have maple syrup lollipops. Those things are fucking delicious. I'll send you guys those too. That sounds awesome. I'm fat, so maple syrup sounds good on pretty much anything. As long as you don't, as long as you don't send me Canadian bacon, we're good. Oh, uh, now I'm gonna do it just out of spite. It's fucking ham. <laughs> I don't, I don't want ham. <laughs> please, please. I, saw, I talked no, to you. No, no, our, our bacon's bacon. It's pork belly. Yeah. Yeah, you're talking about the back bacon. Oh, fuck back bacon. Canadians <laughs> don't even like back bacon. <laughs> Look, every time I see it on, like when you order a pizza and like Canadian bacon's an option, like nobody wants can no one. In, should eat Canadian bacon. It's just ham. It's not even an option in Canada. <laughs> no. <laughs> I know. Canadian you talk to any Canadian about Canadian bacon, they have no pizza. idea. Yeah. I, I was like, I've asked Canadians, like, yeah, we don't have that. I was like, why do we have it? We, I, I don't even want it. Who can we give it to? Someone else needs to just take Canadian bacon off our hands. And anybody listening out there who's like, I like Canadian bacon on my pizza, shut the fuck up. You're wrong. <laughs> You're wrong. You're wrong. <laughs> Only good bacon is regular bacon. And if anybody tries to tell me that, tofu bacon or carrot bacon or whatever other bacon makes you feel good because it doesn't have a face, you're wrong too. I want my bacon to have had a face. I want it to be delicious and I'll think that it's great because it uses its tears to marinate its own meat. <laughs> you just went off on this really weird tangent. I do. I, look, I love bacon and I hate <laughs> vegans. So that's, that's rude. Pineapple belongs on pizza. What? Wait, what? You, you're done. You're done. That's 
Well, good, thing, good thing this episode's over. That is. I also agree pineapple belongs on pizza. Pineapple does not belong on pizza. I'm going to send you a can of pineapple too with maple syrup. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> but don't mix them because that sounds awful. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm so, going to mix it now. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, tell everybody where they can get a hold of you. They can listen to you and all that. Uh, you can search us on Facebook, Spotify, Instagram, Instagram, Apple Podcasts, I think Google Podcasts. A bunch of other podcasts and listening places just, that just, I never heard of. Just Google Canadian Herpetoculture Podcast. Yeah. And we are there. And don't forget to grab life by the Hemi Beans. Yeah. Yes. Do that. <laughs> du- dueling, dueling penises is the way to go. Grab life by the dueling penises. <laughs> we should do that on our next shirt run. <laughs> <laughs> April, they need to get a hold of you. How can they do yes. it? Yes. You can find me at Designer Exotics on Facebook, on Instagram, and on YouTube. And designerexotics.net if you care to visit our website. We, That's we not it. updated. You, we get it. You have a website. You're fancy. Yeah, we're not that fancy. Two, 2002 called, and they said they want their website back. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just saying that because I can't afford I don't have a website. I can't remember how much I paid for it, but it wasn't that bad it costs money right yeah i can't afford that we got quoted like 500 bucks for the fancy website that i wanted well that's why i have dot net and not dot com because dot net was way cheaper dot com oh. i think you have to pay like 2500 okay. bucks to get i thought I, I thought i was done but that reminded me i did have to tell you one funny story going back to the conroe show and i don't think i told you this did i tell you about the guy i met who used to be called simply serpents no okay no. so I, uh, I was at the Conroe show and I was working behind the table and a guy came by with his wife and they were looking at the snakes and the lady pointed at my, my sign and just simply serpents. And he goes, Oh yeah, mine used to be simply serpents. I looked at it and I said, you're the guy. And he goes, what? And I was like, I tried to get simply serpents at gmail.com when Gmail was like, Hey, you should have a Gmail email. Cause mine's simply serpents at hotmail. Uh, cause it was 2003 when I made it. Uh, and it's him. They were, I was like, because I, I remember looking it up, finding that Simply Serpents on Facebook at the time in like 2005 or whatever was in uh, like Denver, College, somewhere in Colorado or whatever. And they've since moved and they no longer use the name. I'm like, but they still have the email address I want. So I can't get it because I always wanted that Gmail. But I met the actual guy who had the email that I wanted at a reptile show in Texas. Like, well, that's crazy. Small world right there. Super small world. But I was like, when I saw him, I know he had to be freaked out because I, I really yelled, it was you. And he, he like looked at me all weird. And I had to explain <laughs> why it was so weird because I, I had Facebook stalked and tried to find this guy. And I, I told him, like, in your email somewhere, you have an email for me asking if I can have your email address. <laughs> um, so, yeah. <laughs> That well, did you did you make any like improvement on this like any no, headway I'm, like no you, I'm still I'm still I'm still hotmail I'll be hotmail forever every, every time <laughs> okay. I give every time I give my address like hotmail I was like shut up it was 2004 2005 get over it my email is hotmail too it's fine so but that reminded me when you were talking about the website and why you have .dot net I was like yeah that's why mine's my email is what it is so yes if you want to get a hold of me I am simply serpents on Facebook simply underscore serpents on Instagram. Uh, if you want to get a hold of us, we are the Reptile Gumbo Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, if you're listening to us, you already know how to find us on podcast. Uh, each week, we do put a post up. 
about what we want to hear from you guys. So tell us what you found that week, what you thought was interesting. We gave some this week that were pretty good. Still haven't found one that beats the one from Joe's episode where he talked about the uh, porn star using venom to kill somebody. That was a pretty good one. That was pretty good. There's also a porn star who makes... Plast- makes rubber dildos of his own penis and sells them all. Oh, candles. It was candles. He makes penis candles and sells them online. So that article had everything. So if anybody can find a better reptile-related article. Hemi-peen candles. I think I found a new hobby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. A new Etsy shop is going to pop up. <laughs> oh, just just tons, of tons of different animal penises, just different candles. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so anyways... That is it for our episode this week. Thank you guys for coming on. It was awesome. Thanks for yeah, having thank us. Thank you on. so yeah, much. Absolutely. This was a blast. And uh, I'm definitely sending my email address or my actual address because I want maple syrup and stickers. I'll, I will send you maple syrup and stickers. <laughs> yeah. April. I'll, I'll, I'll give Brandon the shipping card so we can have discounted shipping. <laughs> <laughs> April, I will talk to you next week. I'm done talking to you for this week. Okay. It's done. <laughs> so. All right. All right, guys. Have a great night. Bye. Bye. Bye.